Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com prenatal. Get everything you need for your next project today at Menards and save big money. LP SmartSide products are the number one brand of engineered wood siding. SmartSide trim and siding offers long-lasting performance and delivers the warmth and beauty of traditional wood. Save big money today at Menards and LP SmartSide products. Plus, visit Menards.com to view the weekly flyer and check out all of our great deals happening this week. Save big money at well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions that you guys send in via the tip link. However, we normally don't have enough time to get through all the questions that get sent in, but if you sent in those tips in support of this channel and gave us great topics to talk about, I want to make sure you guys don't have to wait too long to get them answered, so we gather up unused questions and we address them here on companion videos. And today is September the 5th. It is Sunday. I went to go see John Williams last night in concert. I'm going to be putting up a video of that a little bit later today, so keep your eyes open for that. And of course, later today at 4 or 4.30 p.m. Los Angeles time, we're going to be doing our open live Shang-Chi spoiler discussion, so make sure you guys come and join us for that. But with that down, Let's get caught up on the questions you guys have been sending in. We're going to start getting caught up here with Dangerous D who writes in, Hey, John, I'm a Green Lantern Corps fan. Why is nobody talking about the Green Lantern series coming up on HBO Max or the supposed movie that's coming out when uh, Haley's Comet returns? I hope DC fandom gives us an update soon or wait until pigs learn to fly. What do you think? Well, yeah. So, of course, one of the big things that they've announced that they have going is Green Lantern, but The reason nobody is talking about it is because there's nothing to talk about right now. Like right now, there's not a ton to talk about. Like nobody was talking about the, uh, the, the Batgirl thing coming up on HBO until some serious news came out and then it became a topic of conversation. So I don't know. I, I be patient. It's coming. There's something coming. And you know what? I would guess that DC fandom, I'm going to guess with DC fandom coming, we're going to get some solid information about Green Lantern, and then you're going to see conversation kick up about it more. All right, next up, fan of Rob writes, hey, Rob, who's not here right now, obviously, after getting the ultimate diehard box set that Rob shows off quite often, he loves that thing, uh, that I that I told you I got, I wanted to tell you about another great box set that you should get. It's a glass box set of The Matrix that comes with a mini statue of Neo. It's pretty cool. I believe I have seen that one. And listen, Let's be honest. The chances that Robert Meyer Burnett already has that are pretty high. I mean, he is the physical media guy. If such a thing exists, fan of Rob, he's probably got it already, but it sounds pretty damn sweet. I I don't personally collect physical media, but if you were, if I was somebody who did, I would get that in a heartbeat. Absolutely. All right. Next up, Ryan Lohner writes, 1982 may just be the greatest single year ever for sci-fi fantasy. 
E.T., which, by the way, John Williams played the E.T. score last night. So great. Um, Wrath of Khan, Poltergeist, Blade Runner, Conan the Barbarian, Dark Crystal Creep Show, Last Unicorn. I like The Last Unicorn. Uh, the Secret of Nim. I love The Secret of Nim. Uh, and The Thing. Oh, and Megaforce, I guess. Yeah, Megaforce is a movie that Rob and I disagree with a lot. That's a... I didn't even think about... I'm not really big on movie dates, per se. Everybody knows that. But if that's all accurate information, Ryan, if 1982 was the year that Wrath of Khan, E.T., Blade Runner, Poltergeist, Dark Crystal, all that kind of... I mean, Secret of Nam, God, Nicodemus. I There's been talk lately of a possible remake of The Secret of Nim, and I know most of you guys have probably never seen it. It's fantastic. Uh, I, I absolutely love The Secret of Nim. I think they could totally do it today with a remake, and I think it would be even better today, but I hope they do it. Anyway, excellent, excellent info there, Ryan. Thanks for sharing, man. Next up, we've got Jay Bling who writes, considering Red Notice has the same director as Skyscraper. Yeah, that's not... That's not great. Um, it's no surprise it looks formulaic, despite Ryan Reynolds' presence adding more quote-slash-unquote fun to this film. Why can't uh, Ross and Marshall Thurber go back to making movies like Dodgeball? Ha, Dodgeball. Dodgeball, Dodgeball, Dodgeball. That is one of my all-all-time favorite, favorite comedies. Like, it's right up there for me. I mean, I, at the top of the heap... I've always said my two favorite all-time comedies right at the top of the heat are 40-Year-Old Virgin with Steve Carell and a movie that I think a lot of you guys still haven't seen. Uh, it's, it's a little bit older one. It's got Michael Caine, John Ritter, Christopher Reeve, Carol Burnett. It's called Noises Off. So those two are my absolute favorites. But then right up near there near the top are films like Anchorman, um, uh, what's the, uh, Zoo, the original Zoolander. I love the original Zoolander. Um, Wedding Crashers, but Dodgeball is up there too. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. I love Dodgeball so much. That's uh, and you know, with Skyscraper, I remember I'll always have a negative connotation attached with Skyscraper because it was while I was in my first viewing of Skyscraper that um, those of us in the John Schnepp circle of friends found out about what had happened to him. He, he was still not, he was in the hospital at that time. He hadn't died yet. And I remember always like at least eight times had to get up and walk out. Now, fortunately I was sitting in a seat. I purposely sat in a seat that was right be beside the exit because several times I had to get up, step into the hallway so I could pull up my phone and you know, me and Harloff and Robert and a couple other people were like furiously texting back and forth with each other about the, the at the time, the uh, developing situation with Schnepp. And uh, yeah, so I mean that, look, it doesn't, Skyscraper wasn't good. It's not like that ruined the experience for me, but I will always unfortunately have kind of a negative seed in my head whenever Skyscraper comes up because of that situation, obviously. Anyway, thanks for bringing that up, uh, Jay Bling. All right, next up. We got Steven uh, Schneiderman who writes, Hey, John, Kevin Smith announced on Instagram that they wrapped up the filming of Clerks 3. I cannot wait for it. How stoked are you for, for it and bring on the filthy? Well, it's, it's interesting because I am my favorite Kevin Smith film is Clerks 2. It has a very, very, because it's a very personal film to me. I've explained why a number of times, but that film is an incredibly special film to me. So when they finally said they were doing Clerks 3, I got very excited. 
until I heard what it was about. And you guys can go and look up the synopsis. I won't, I won't rehash it all again. But once I heard what the basic idea of it was, I'm like, really? That, that's what it's going to be about? Now, listen, maybe it's, it doesn't come across right when you just describe the synopsis. So I'm going to trust Kevin Smith. He's never steered us wrong when it comes to the Clerks franchise. So I'm just going to hold on believing this good. But I, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you I was as excited as I used to be. But we'll see how it turns out. All right. Next up. Uh, Dangerous D writes, Hey, John, I want to talk about the DCU, their movies. Since it's DC, since, since it started, the DCU has a reputation of this is going to suck. Even before the movies premiere, Marvel movies hasn't had that reputation. You said before that uh, all DC needs to make are quality films. Now, how can they achieve this? Uh, DCU is 10 years going and it seems they get good directors and writers, but still something always comes up and it either fails or underperforms. What do you think? Bring on the filthy, my friend. Well, here's the thing. The DCU's not always had the reputation of, oh, a DCU movie's coming out. It's going to suck. That's not true. That's not true at all. They earned that reputation and they earned that reputation by making movies that completely divided the critics and the audiences. Even when, to me, it's a masterful movie, like Man of Steel. I still got my Henry Cavill standing over here. Man of Steel, to me, is the most underappreciated comic book film ever made. I passionately love that film. But the reality is, despite the fact that I loved it that much, half the audiences hated it, half the critics hated it. And then they made, you know, Batman versus Superman, which I also like. Not as much as Man of Steel, but I like Batman versus Superman. But half the audiences hated it. Half the critics hated it. Uh, And then even the theatrical Justice League. I like the theatrical Justice League. But half the audiences hated it. Half the critics hated it. I mean, it's just they, they kind of got that reputation from the films they made. Now, not all of them have been that way, though. You're saying all of them. That's not true at all. Aquaman completely overperformed. Right. That was a good, solid movie that had bonkers box office made a billion dollars. Wonder Woman was a bonkers success story. Obviously, it it stepped outside of the DCU proper, granted, but still another DC film, uh, Joker, another billion dollar film that won Academy Awards. I mean, so DC has shown they can make movies that appeal to the audiences, the critics and have box office success. And all they need to do is string together a series of those. Marvel didn't start out with that advantage. They put out, a lot of people like me were thinking, ah, Iron Man is just a poor man's Batman. It's pathetic. It's pathetic that they're doing an Iron Man movie. Who wants an Iron Man movie? Now, today that sounds crazy, but at the time, Iron Man was not a big name. Why are they doing Iron Man? Blah, blah, blah. But they earned it by putting out Iron Man and the audiences loved it and the critics loved it and all that kind of stuff. And then they just built that reputation that when they put out films, you know, Iron Man 2, Thor, The Dark World, notwithstanding, when they put out Marvel films, they're going to win because they win over the audiences and they win over the critics and they win at the box office. And that's all DC has to do. I know I make it sound simple. It's not simple, but that is essentially what they need to do. Look, if DC spends the next couple of years putting out films on the quality level of Aquaman, the original Wonder Woman, Shazam, you know, Joker, if they keep doing that, guess what? Then that's going to become their new reputation. That will be their reputation. 
Marvel consistently put out films that were winners and they got that reputation so that the assumption when a new Marvel film is coming out is that it's going to be good. There's no reason DC films cannot have that exact same reputation. They've taken steps in that direction. Yeah, they've had some stumbles. You know, the Birds of Prey I thought was bad. Um, uh, Wonder Woman 84 was bad. But they've also made some big, big wins. And if they can just string those together, they will earn the reputation and the confidence and the benefit of the doubt from the audience. It's just going to take a little bit of time. It'll take time and them putting out excellence. Like we always say, winning cures everything. All right, thanks for writing in, Dangerous D. All right, next up, Matt Shaw writes, Hey, John and Rob, obviously Rob's not here today. Uh, When you were doing your Shang-Chi review, you said there were only um, a few movies that you gave a 10 out of 10 to. Maybe this was you or somebody else asked the exact same question the other day. Which are some of those? Also, if Rob is there, can you name some that he has given 10 out of 10 to? Rob is not here today, obviously. Yeah, I've, I've, I went into it on yesterday's companion video quite in depth about why I don't do numerical scores anymore. But yeah, films like Amelie, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Uh, I believe maybe the last movie that I gave a numerical score to, I can't remember, maybe Deadpool? Or had I stopped giving numerical scores by the time Deadpool? I might have given a 10 out of 10 to Deadpool. Good. But again, I explained on my video yesterday why it's pointless to give numerical scores, even 10 out of 10s, because they represent the experience I had. You know, some would say, and one of the reasons I got rid of the numerical scoring system is somebody sees that and goes, oh, John, so you gave this other Oscar-winning film a 9.5, so you're saying Deadpool's better than that other movie. It's like, that's not what I'm saying And that's why numerical scores are stupid. Numerical scores don't tell the story. And so, but yes, in a world where everybody hands out tens like they're easy candy to pick on Halloween, I only ever gave like six, seven, or eight of them in in, in total when I did. But again, those are, it's pointless to do it. So that's why I don't give numerical scores anymore. All right, next up. Uh, Big drives down under. Tips in like $50. Thank you, big drives, for supporting our channel on that level, man. Very appreciated, dude. And big drives writes, well, John, Shang-Chi was brilliant. My daughter and I loved every bit, and even the lull in the middle, as some people are saying, was probably the most uh, I was, LOL, was was probably the most, I don't know what that means, I was laughing out loud, and Rob, I just added Basic Instinct to my 4K collection, and Sharon Stone never looked as hot. That's true, she never did. Yeah, Shang-Chi is like winning. We'll talk about this more on the next John Campia show, uh, which will probably be Tuesday, because Monday's Labor Day and all that kind of stuff. Anyway. Um, it far ex- it shattered the box office expectations. It made more money opening weekend than Fast Nine did. It made seventy one point four million opening weekend. Shang Chi did, which just means a lot more people. Like you know how much I loved it. I've been talking about ad nauseum, and I knew people would like it. I just didn't know if people would like it as much as me. Well, apparently, a lot of people like it as much as I do because the word of mouth has spread like wildfire. And I think this movie's going to have good legs. I think you're going to see, you're not going to see the 70% drop second weekend. I think you're going to see roughly a 50% drop, and that's good. For those of you who don't understand the second weekend drops, a 50% drop is really good. So I think you're looking at a 50% drop next week. I think it's going to have incredible legs. I really do. And I couldn't be happier for it. It couldn't have happened to a better movie. I love this movie. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Big Drives. Next up, and again, Big Drives, thank you so much for supporting the channel on that level, man. I appreciate it. All right, Grant Askew writes, 
Hey, John, I love everything that you do in the show uh, every day. Thank you so much, Grant. I appreciate that. Would you trade in your beloved Henry Cavill Highlander movie for Zack Snyder directed Man of Steel 2 with the same actor? No. Um, And the only reason now everybody knows I desperately I very, very much want a Man of Steel 2 directed by Zack Snyder. What he did with the first Man of Steel is legendary. That being said, I have had a Man of Steel. I haven't had a Highlander with Henry Cavill. So while I want both of them very, very much, I Highlander is one of my top 10 all-time favorite movies. The original Highlander with Christopher Lambert and Sean Connery is one of my top 10 all-time favorite movies. Not all-time favorite genre movies, not all-time favorite action movies. It is one of my top 10 all-time favorite movies. I've been waiting for somebody to take another crack at it with a brand new vision and to do it with Henry Cavill. Um, it, it, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't trade that in. Now, if I hadn't had Man of Steel yet, maybe I would say something different. But because of that, I will stick with the, the Highlander one. I would personally stick with the Highlander one. Good question, Grant. All right, Jay Bling writes, and something about The Rock, as fun as his movies can be, they are indeed largely formulaic. No one's asking him to make an Oscar play, but couldn't his charm and charisma be applied to movies that aren't the four-quadrant fluff that defines his brand? Um, I suppose you could, but why would you? I mean, seriously, think about that. You're Dwayne, Th- and by the way, he has done those movies. He has done those movies. Let me just bring this up here. Um, uh... I believe one of them was called, yeah, one he did, he did one in 2010 called Faster, which honestly, I I really like quite a bit. Faster is great. I enjoy Faster. And that's that's not a four-quadrant fluff kind of movie. I, I, I And I actually think it's pretty damn good. Um, the other one, I believe, is called Snitch. I believe that's the one. Yeah, 2013. This is another one that he did that is not your stereotypical four-quadrant Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie. Uh, where Now, if you just read the synopsis, it sounds like it is, but it's way, way more drama, right? A father undergoes uh, goes undercover for the DEA in order to free his son, who was imprisoned after being set up in a drug deal. It's not you know, that four-quadrant fluff film, even if the poster makes it look like it. It's not. It's a different kind of film. But the question is, why would he do those films? He did Faster. He did Snitch. He did Pain and Gain. What did it get him? What Honestly, what did it get him? Those movies don't make bank. When people, and it's not, it's not that really great dramatic movies can't make bank. It's just that when people go to see Dwayne The Rock Johnson, they go with a certain set of expectations. They want that fun energy that they want, you know, uh, jungle cruise. That's what people are looking for in a Dwayne, the rock Johnson movie. And those movies make money. Not all of them do like rampage, but listen, rampage was a bad movie, but rampage made far more money than it should have because Dwayne, the rock Johnson was in it. If that movie had anybody else, but Dwayne, the rock Johnson, that movie makes nothing. It makes absolutely nothing but because he was in it and it was that kind of movie does. So yeah. Can Dwayne Johnson do that other kind of stuff? Yeah. Has he done that other kind of stuff? Yes. 
But why would he at this point in his career? Look, Dwayne Johnson knows this. He only has a certain window of time to be the big, hulking, full of charisma, men, women want him, men want to be him kind of things. He's got a certain window of time that he can still do that. Like he's, he's, he's around 50 now, I think. So he's got a certain amount of time. Actually, let me look up how old, uh, hold a second, how old is The Rock? Let's see. Yeah, he's turning 50 in a couple of months. So, I mean, which is still fine. I mean, it's still young, but he's only got a certain amount of time to make these big blockbuster acts and I'm the rock kind of movies. And then once he gets into his sixties, well, then he can do the other stuff too. Then he, then he can go and do that other stuff. But right now when he can make that big money and make these big branded films that he can do, why would he do those other ones? He tried them and they don't make bank. So if you're asking now, I'm not saying that means he shouldn't from an artistic point of view, blah, blah, blah. But if you're going to ask why doesn't he do that, that's why he doesn't do that. So anyway, that's just my take on it anyway. Great question, Jay Bling. All right, next up, Josh Ward writes, non-spoiler question about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Because I saw Ghost, I saw the entirety of Ghostbusters Afterlife at CinemaCon. They surprised us with a screening of it. It's really good. It's really good. Anyway, in your opinion, did the latest trailer give too much away? No. A keen eye slash ear catches a lot, including a potential villainous return. Uh, curious to know your opinion and if there are still surprises. Thanks. There are still surprises. I don't believe that the last trailer. Get, look, the last trailer basically tells you what the movie is about, right? It tells if a trailer tells you who the bat. Guess what? We saw the Endgame trailer. We saw the Infinity War trailer. We knew Thanos was the villain. Ooh, is that giving way too much? No, we just know who the villain is. Now we know who the bad guy is. That's not giving away too much. You know, we knew going into Star Wars, Darth Vader was the villain. That's not giving away too much. So in my opinion, having seen the movie, I do not believe the trailers give away too much. There was still a lot in there to be very delighted by. So that would that's how I would address that, Joshua. Good question, man. All right, next up. Uh, Adam Aaron's butt fairy writes, I hate Adam Aaron's, uh, and tips are like $20. Thank you uh, for supporting our channel on that level, man. Hello, John and Rob. Obviously, Rob's not here today. So I just watched my first What If episode, and I got to say it was scary. In this one, pa Papa Iger is replaced by a guy who operated kiddie rides at the amusement park for Disney. In the end, he pulls a Thanos and throws Black off a cliff. Um, I Yeah, yeah, look, I... It's, it's, it's tough for me to talk about Disney these days because I'm a big Disney fan. I, I like a lot of what they do. I am not a fan of their CEO right now. Not that he can't turn it around, but I personally think in a very short amount of time, the new CEO at Disney, Bob Chapek, has made more critical blunders than Bob Iger did in his entire career as the CEO of Disney. Like in just one little window of time, Bob Chapek has made more disastrous decisions, more buffoonery kind of mistakes than Bob Iger did his entire time. Now, that being said, he stepped into taking over Disney at a very challenging time with the pandemic and all that kind of stuff, parks clo closing down, the movie theaters are closed. So 
look, that he did not step into a cushy job. He stepped into a very, very difficult situation. He is still new at the job, relatively speaking. And let's see how he responds to the mistakes he has made already. Because, you know, listen, uh, a lot of people have rough outings when they start and then they get really good at it. Maybe Bob Chapek will be, maybe Bob Chapek will be great at this job. Given another year or two, maybe he'll become a great CEO, truly worthy of being the successor to Bob Iger right now. I don't see it, but maybe he can be. And all we can do as, as fans is to keep our fingers crossed that he can become that. And uh, let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. All right. Next up. Uh, Tango Shalom Rules, uh, who also tips in $20. I'm assuming it's probably the same person who's Adam Aaron's rights. In the latest Spider-Man trailer, it's been stated that Doc Ock shows up moments after he died uh, in the trade. Now, it doesn't state that in the trailer, just to be clear. Uh, in the trailer, Peter Parker is on the car without his suit on, and Doc Ock says, Hello, Peter. How would he recognize him as Peter, misdirect or something else? It's probably some kind of misdirect. Here's the thing. People read way too much into trailers. They take split second shots, single lines, completely out of context and try to build entire theories around things. Look, for all we know that what we see when we see Doc Ock in the trailer, that's not his first appearance in the movie. For all we know, he could have appeared much earlier in the movie met, figured out he's in a different universe, met this Peter Parker, and now this is like his second or third time seeing Peter and he knows who Peter is. Or he's looking just at somebody in a Spider-Man suit and the trailer is just edited in such a way that it's a misdirect. So the bottom line is this, don't read anything into it. Wait till you see the movie, don't read anything into it because like I said, it's just brief, quick moments that we see completely out of context in which they're going to be presented in the movie. So let's see how it actually plays out there, Tango. All right. Next up, Jay Bling writes, I understand um, that you want to have an experience with films based on genre, but I think it would be naive to underestimate how much, how much a strongly structured story and well-developed characters contribute to the experience. I think you completely misunderstood everything I said, Jay Bling. Anyway, let's keep going here. With horror movies, people want to be scared. Uh, what they don't like, however, are cheap jump scares. Oh, you're wrong, Jay Bling. I know a lot of people who love cheap jump scares. There are a lot of people who love cheap jump scares. I, I'm not necessarily one of them, although they can be effective, but don't make an assumption there. Um, they want tension and suspense, which are things that are established through strong story and character. See A Quiet Place. Uh, with comedies, people want to laugh, obviously. However, in order for you to get the laughs that you want, you need context for your humor. And context is established through strong story and characters. Without context, your humor falls flat. That's not necessarily true. Anyway, uh, put it to you this way. You always say that if you don't care about the story or characters in an action movie, your action sequences are just visual noise. Uh, that same ideology would be applied to all genre films. Yeah, but here's the thing, Jay Bling, where you totally misunderstood and you're misinterpreting everything that I said. At the end of the day, all that matters, really, all that matters at the end of the day when you come out of a movie is did the movie deliver you an experience? Did it deliver on the experience? Now, lots of things go into making an experience. Like you're assuming when I said at the end of the day, let, let's put it this way, right? Let's, let's put it this way. 
Let's take a hockey game. At the end of the game, the only thing that matters is who scored more goals. That's it. That's all that matters. At the end of the game, all that matters is who scored the most goals. It doesn't matter if the other team played more technically sound. It doesn't matter if the other team had the better players. It doesn't matter if the other team ran the more intelligent, smart plays. At the end of the day, if your team scored more goals than that other team, it don't matter worth a squirt of piss if they had the better game plan, the better players, the better technical execution, all that kind of stuff. If the puck didn't go in the net and they didn't score as many goals as you, you win. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. That's kind of like you saying, yes, but story structure and character and narrative. Yes, 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 yes. Because in hockey, more times than not, far more times than not, the team with the better game plan, the better dedication, the better execution, the more talent, the, you know, all that kind of stuff, the better coaching, those teams will way more times than not end up scoring more goals and winning anyway. But at the end of the day, all that matters is who scored more goals. Great game plan, great talent, great execution. That will help you be the team that scores more goals. Absolutely. You are more likely to win. You are more likely to be the team that scores more goals if you have all those things. But it's not a rule. We've often seen in sports the worst team win the game. By luck, by lucky bounce, by fluke, by whatever. Sometimes happens. So when I'm saying that, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is does the movie deliver you an experience? Obviously, your movie has a much better chance. I'm not saying that means story and plot. That's not what I was saying at all, Jay Blinging. I think you know that. I wasn't at all suggesting that story doesn't matter, plot doesn't matter, characters don't matter, dialogue. I'm not saying that. All those things greatly increase the chances of your movie delivering the experience, but not always. Not always. At the end of the day, did one movie... Like, look, no one's going to say that The Second Clerks is a smarter, more intelligent movie than... Uh, damn, what's the, what's the most famous Woody Allen? I'm freezing on the name of the most famous Woody Allen uh, comedy. And I don't... It's, it's the one he won the Academy Award for. Um, where is it? I can't find it now. Nope, it's only his most famous movie he's ever... Annie Hall. Annie Hall. I don't know why I froze on the name Annie Hall. No one is going to say Clerks 2 is a technically better movie than Annie Hall. Annie Hall, which is also a, a, a comedy, terrific story, great characters, great dialogue, all that kind of stuff. But Clerks 2 delivered to me the more overall experience. Even though, from a technical point of view, Annie Hall is probably the better film. I mean, the better dialogue, better character development, all that kind of stuff. But, And more times than not, that will equal the better movie experience. But here's an example where a movie that wasn't as good as those things is delivering that experience. And that's why I said, at the end of the day, all that matters is the experience. And a lot of things go into making that experience, including character, plot development, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. It's what goes into making that. But there are other things too. And sometimes the movie with a great plot doesn't necessarily deliver a great experience. 
So that is what I meant, Jay Bling. That's how I was saying. So anyway, yeah, there's that. Anyway, thanks for writing in, man. All right, next up. Ethan Holgate writes, Hey, John, I saw Reminiscence in theaters and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a solid mystery sci-fi thriller. The cast was great, good script, and you were right. The trailer really dropped the ball on selling this movie. They should have done it differently. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I never even watched Reminiscence yet. I just couldn't get myself to watch it. Even though it's got one of my favorite guys, Hugh Jackman, in it. The reality is that trailer, the trailers were terrible. I never actually got a sense of what the movie was about. So why would I go see it? Why would I invest my time in watching a movie that you couldn't even be bothered to tell me what the movie is about? You know what I mean? And it only made $2 million on its opening weekend. Two million. It's, it's crazy. It was just a terrible marketing campaign. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Ethan. And listen, it's it's Hugh Jackman. So at some point, I'm going to watch it. But uh, it, they really did drop the ball with the marketing. All right, Jay Bling writes, uh, and the importance of story even applies to going on, even applies to documentaries. All the clips and raw footage and interviews are compiled and edited together in such a way as to tell a story. It's never just randomly assembled. Again, you completely misunderstood what I was talking about the other day, and you completely misunderstood my point. Yes, story's important, dialogue's important, character development's incredibly important. But unless those things add up to equal a good experience, it's irrelevant. And you are much more likely to deliver a good experience with all those things, but at the end of the day, it is the final experience that ultimately matters. Anyway, uh, Brandon Visconti writes, one of two. Hey, man, I just wanted to say you're an inspiration. Well, thank you so much. And watching your show helps us get through the day. So after seeing the new Spider-Man trailer, I think I shit myself after watching it. Uh, So if the other Spider-Men are in it, um, how do you see them entering the MCU? And do you think they could get another one of their own Spider-Man movies? Also with the Sony Marvel deal, if Sony takes back Spider-Man, will they recast him? Hopefully not. Thanks, brother, and bring on the filthy. Well, I mean, look, this is a big question that's been going around a lot. First of all, there is no legitimate information that says Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire are going to be in this movie. There's no legitimate information that says they are. Now, I believe they will be, but that that's just a, a belief. I, I don't actually have any real, reliable, credible information that says that they are. I believe they will be, but there is no tangible, legitimate... Well, John, somebody on Reddit... I, I don't give a shit what somebody said on Reddit. There's no real proof. There's no real information, no credible information out there that says that Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire are going to be in the movie. I think they will be, but I can't, I can't say that's a sure thing. So number one, it's a big assumption to see that they're, to say that they're going to pop into it in asking, you know, uh, how do they bring them into the MCU? They're not going to bring them into the MCU. Look, obviously this Spider-Man movie is going for a quick shtick gimmick. And shtick gimmick can be very good. It's got negative connotations, but shtick and gimmick can work really, really well if you use them properly. And obviously, Spider-Man No Way Home is going for a quick shtick gimmick. Hey, what if uh, what Doc off from that other Spider-Man movie is in it? Ah, ah, right? It's a quick shtick gimmick. But it could be a shtick gimmick that works incredibly well if done properly. Will that shtick gimmick extend to bringing in uh, the previous Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire? 
I believe, I think they will, but you know, who knows, but if they do, it's, it's just, it'll be for the momentary pop shtick gimmick. And then it'll be gone after Spider-Man, no way home. You're not about to see Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire running around as Spider-Man again in the MCU as the, as the MCU moves forward. And if, and when Sony does take Spider-Man back and Spider-Man is no longer in the MCU, listen back two years ago when it looked like they were entering their deal, Tom Holland said he is more than happy to continue playing Spider-Man once Spider-Man goes back to Sony. So um, I think I think if and when Sony takes Spider-Man back, again, if they do, and I think they will, but if they do, I believe you're still going to see Tom Holland playing Spider-Man. I don't know that. I have no information or facts about that. I have no proof of that. That's just you asking me for my guess. I'm giving you my guess. My guess is that when Sony takes Spider-Man back, if that indeed happens, that you're going to continue to see Tom Holland playing it. That's my guess. All right. Thanks for writing that in, Brandon. All right. Next up, we got Funky Buddha. And Funky Buddha writes, Oh my God, I just saw Shang-Chi. Amazing. I hope it does well and gets the credit it so deserves. Tony Leung is the boss. Dude, Tony Leung as Wenwu, uh, a.k.a the character we have known as the Mandarin, but he's not the Mandarin. Anyway, Shang-Chi's dad played by Tony Leung. That dude is a total boss. So dramatic, so beautifully performed. Um, he kind of steals the movie in many ways. But I say, but again, Simu Liu was great in it. Aquafina was great in it. Michelle Yeoh is great in it. I don't know the name of the actress. The girl who plays Shang-Chi's sister is great in it. It's, but yeah, Tony Leung, man. Tony Leung was such a boss. Thanks for, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Funky Buddha. All right, next up, Fang Blaze writes, after hearing your review and many others of Shang-Chi, I had high expectations for it, but holy shit, they were completely blown away. I'm just coming out of the theater and I'm at a loss for words. This movie is amazing. Also, love the soundtrack score. Dude, Fang Blaze, I have been listening to the soundtrack songs for, uh, for Shang-Chi. Uh, Ever, ever since I think the one is called Run It. Let me see if I can find it here. Uh, let me see if I can find Run It. Uh, do, 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 do. No, that's not it. Let me try this again. Okay, yeah. Is the is it called Run It? Let me just check my uh, my library here because I have my likes. I don't have it listed here. Oh, you know why? I'm in the wrong. Mm. Anyway, I think it's called Run It. Boom, 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 boom. The music in Shang-Chi is great. Both the songs that are played and the soundtrack, the score, I should say. The songs in the soundtrack and the score are both, like all around, the music in Shang-Chi is fantastic. I just loved it. And I'm glad you liked it, Fang Blaze. I loved it too. Don't forget, we got the open spoiler discussion a little bit later today. All right, and today being Sunday. All right, Avery Zavala writes, Hey, John, and possibly Aaron and or Rob. Yeah, uh, obviously not here today. Obviously, this was written on Friday when Aaron and Rob were both on the show. Uh, fun question here. You get to work on a John Favreau-directed film or a Taika Waititi-directed film. Who do you go with? These are probably my two favorite MCU directors personality-wise. Um, I've had a chance. I've met John Favreau uh, on a couple of occasions. Totally cool dude. I've also met Taika Waititi. I think... Now, look, we're not asking which director is better, which one would make the better movie. We're not asking that question. The question is, who would I just rather work on a movie with? The answer is both of them. But if I only had to pick one, I would 
maybe lean towards Taika Waititi just because I think he would make me laugh more. <laughs> like that dude is just freaking hilarious. But again, I'm not saying he's a better director than Favreau. I'm not saying he would make the better movie than Favreau. They're both tremendous, tremendous directors. But if I had to pick one to work with on a movie, it would probably be Waititi just because I think he would make me laugh more. All right. We got time for just a couple more here, guys. Uh, power is power rights. One of three. Maybe I'm clueless, but what is it about Doctor Strange that feels so out of character? He's been reckless since joining the MCU, going broke to fix hands, experimenting with magic beyond his station, disregarding warnings, bargaining with Dormammu, uh, giving Thanos the stone, trusting a rat to save the world. I know it usually works out, but that kind of makes it worse. He's cocky and he's been in the zone for years. And he's not a total dick. Helping this young hero, done before eggs get cold. Um... Uh, Dr. Strange plays music trivia during brain surgery, but sure, annoying teens can break that level of focus. Admittedly, though, Loki taught us power consistency isn't a priority. With trailers, uh, correlation isn't causation. The spell may not even cause the mess. Exactly. And that's what I've been saying this whole time, Power is Power. Like, a lot of people are saying, man, how could, how could Dr. Strange be so irresponsible? Have you watched any of Dr. Strange and the rest of the MCU? Have you seen any other MCU movie before? Especially ones with Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange being arrogant, and he is, being arrogant and cocky with a 100% belief in himself has done very irresponsible and dangerous and risky things all the time. All the time. So that he would do this, that he would try to help Peter by casting a spell that he totally believes he can pull off no problem, that is completely in character for Doctor Strange. I don't know what other people are talking about. Say, oh. But again, you raise another good point, Powers Power. For all we know, the spell is not what actually causes the events. That's what's implied in the trailer, and that very well could be. But again, this is a Marvel trailer. It's all out of context. We just don't know. But even if it is that... It's still 100% consistent with the character of Doctor Strange. So I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see. Let's see what happens when the movie comes out. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, this will be the last one that we do here today, guys. Yumi writes, Every year we have this glorious day here in Switzerland where you can get movie tickets for just five bucks. And it is happening this weekend. Treating myself to a double feature of Shang-Chi and Free Guy, nice. Which one should I be more excited about? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question because these are two movies that I absolutely love. Free Guy. And again, both of these movies are not movies I had high expectations for. Neither the, the like the marketing campaigns for both Free Guy and Shang-Chi, neither were great. You know, neither of them had great marketing campaigns. But, um, oh, you know what? Just because I am a sucker for comic book movies, I will say be more excited for Shang-Chi. Look, I'll say this one. Free Guy has got more humor and has a little more fun. Shang-Chi, it's a comic book Marvel movie. It's got better action. So it kind of depends on what you're leaning towards. If I had a choice to only see one, if you only had the choice to see one, I had to tell you which one to see and you couldn't see both. I think I would lean towards saying Shang-Chi, but you just can't go wrong with either. 
They're both great. And going to a double feature of Shang-Chi and Free Guy is treating yourself, man. And that's great. And I hope you have a wonderful time. You know, I said that was the last one, but let's do one more just for the hell of it. Alex Von Gollum writes, Hey team, my expectations for Shang-Chi were so high. I was still blown away. I love the movie. Simu was awesome. Performance-wise, Tony Leung stole the movie, the fights, the music, the cinematography. Oh my God, it's a masterpiece. I greatly... Uh, a greatly executed movie, Just Wow. Alex, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, when I came out of seeing Shang-Chi for the first time, I was at the world premiere, and I came out and I and I just lost my mind. I'm like, guys, this is my favorite comic book movie since Logan. It's not as good as Logan. I'm just saying, to me, it's my favorite one I've seen since Logan. Best martial arts I've seen since The Raid. Not that the martial arts are as good as The Raid, just I haven't seen better martial arts in a movie since that time. And I just, it blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. Now, I didn't know if other people would like it as much as me. I felt very confident that people would at least like it because there's something in there for everybody. And so I felt very comfortable that people would like the movie. I, I didn't know if they would like it as much as me. I'm hearing from a lot of people that liked it as much or even more than me. And you knew what, what happened, right? Like, as soon as I put out this re reaction video coming out of the Shang-Chi screening, sure enough, a whole bunch of people started, oh, Campia is just, Campia is just saying that. He's only saying it because he's at the premiere. Well, really? Well, now everybody else is liking it too. And by the way, I came out of the, the world premiere uh, of uh, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, and I came out of the premiere, turned on my camera, and I said, didn't like this movie. So no, I didn't just say I liked it because I was at the premiere. I've been at premieres like another Disney film, um, uh, Wrinkle in Time. Came out of that and like, well, that was terrible. I came out of other premieres like uh, uh, City of a Thousand Planets. Uh, well, that wasn't very good. I came out of The Rise of Skywalker. That wasn't very good. But no, I came out of Shang-Chi and I'm like, I cannot believe how much I love this movie. And it looks like I'm not alone. Looks like everybody's loving it. Not everybody. I'm sure, look, all film is subjective. That means there are going to be people that just legitimately don't like it. And that's perfectly fine. That's the nature of movies. But I am very surprised to see how many people loved this movie as much as me. And I'm glad you had a great time, Alex, because uh, I had a great time too. Okay, guys, listen. There are still more questions to go from uh, Lance uh, Bergsvin, Russell Amador, uh, Rainey Parade, and others. Do not worry, guys. We will get to your questions in our next episode. But for now, that'll do it for this installment of the Companion Videos. Thank you so much for being here, making this little video part of your day. Don't forget, if you are watching this on Sunday, uh, September the 5th, a little bit later today at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we're going to be doing our open Shang-Chi spoiler discussion. Make sure you guys come and join us for that. But for now, that'll do it for me, guys. Remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye. Whether you're looking to build a website for your business, your hobby, your podcast, or just for fun, Pair Networks is your go-to web hosting partner. Not only do we have the lowest domain price in the industry, starting at just 11 bucks, we've got hundreds of stunning website templates to help you stand out from the crowd. You're not a techie? Not a problem. With our easy DIY site builders, you can launch your impressive website without any technical know-how. And when it comes to security and updates, don't worry, we've got you covered. Our 24-7 U.S.-based customer support is the best in the industry. Check out Pair.com today to learn more. P-A-I-R.com. Ever tried reading while jogging, cooking, or even juggling flaming torches? 
yeah, it doesn't end well. But with Audiobooks.com, you can conquer books without the circus act. Dive into over 450,000 titles, including more than 10,000 free ones. Get hooked on a bestseller, find your next obsession, or finally read that classic you've been avoiding since high school. And here's the inside scoop. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial and snag your first three audiobooks on the house. Sign up for your free trial at audiobooks.com slash podcast free today. That's audiobooks.com slash podcast F-R-E-E.